0: The most important words that you find in that passage, at least they have been for, for the church for a long time, is choose life. John Goldenway is a, Golden Gay is a pastor and he's also a retired professor from Fuller Seminary in California and he's back in the UK from his land of origins and he shares this story. He says, my wife and I often used to go for lunch on a Saturday or a Sunday to a restaurant hanging over the ocean. Where you can watch the surf, so pace to study in california but we would leave in the early afternoon before the place became a madhouse according to one of the servers and waiters that worked there then he says that one monday i read about a film star and director having gone on a bender at the restaurant after the time that we would have left in other words the madhouse time Right, so he drove up the coastal highway, was pulled over by the police, got into a lot of trouble with the media for apparently making anti-Semitic remarks. The media were partly gloating because he's well known as a Christian, yet is someone who's had a lot of trouble with drinking. One aspect of the occasion's sadness was that he was not supposed to be drinking at all for obvious reasons. How stupid can you get? See, the answer with respect to all of us is that we can get pretty stupid. Maybe you don't drink or any of that stuff, but maybe our tongue has slipped at times and said things that it shouldn't have said. Maybe our our reaction to other people within the body of Christ has carried a different type of message than we would have loved to share or would be more Christ-like. See, you can know the sensible you can know the right thing to do and be committed to that right thing, be committed to God, be committed to Christ, and yet you go and you do the opposite of what you are committed to. Why? See, Deuteronomy is one of the last farewell speeches. It is the last farewell speech of Moses. It's the second time that he's reminding them all that he's taught them ahead of that moment there in Deuteronomy chapter thirty. And Israel's life is characterized by that tension. They know the right thing to do, and yet they do the stupid thing. And I think the church has followed in its footsteps. We know the right thing to do. We know what we're supposed to be committed to, and yet we do the opposite. See, the people of Israel said yes to God at Mount Sinai. God spoke to the whole people of Israel with an audible voice, when Moses received the instructions from God. And when they came to that point of making a the decision, they said to Yahweh, we're all in. We're all in. Well, we will, will, we will obey you. Whatever you say to us, we're all in. But, you know, they were stupid people. They knew what to do, and they did the complete opposite of what they knew they were supposed to be doing. So as we close out this year of 220, as we close out this decade, we have choices to meet make as we follow Christ. We had choices to make as we woke up this morning. What food we are going to eat, what clothes we were going to wear. Some of you had to make the choice. What car are you going to drive? <clears throat> you know, Or later on we're going to have to make a, the choice. Are we going to take the vaccine or am I going to take the vaccine? Is it all a conspiracy theory? Am I going to worship the Lord on the sofa at my house or am I going to make an in-person commitment to worship Him? There's choices sure. every day of our lives. And some are easy, and some are hard, and some are, lead us into trouble. Like the Israelites in our past today, we find ourselves in the brink of something new about to happen. Something new that we're going to be entering into. And recently in a New York Times newspaper article written by Pete Wehars, he has this line that he's taken from that series, The Chosen, based on the life of Jesus Christ, that you can watch on YouTube and other places as well. And the line that he uses is the line that Jesus says to the disciples. It's not completely from scripture, but it's an interpretation of scripture. Get get used to different. Get used to different. As he calls them from a life of the past and a slavery to sin and the empires and manum of this world, he says, get used to something different. Israelites receive that same call. Get used to something different. They were in bondage in Egypt for such a long time, they don't know what freedom is. So it's easy to forget what they are committed to and do the stupid thing instead of the right thing. So get used to something different is something good for our time and what we've been going through. It's not getting back to normal, but get used to different. Something that God's going to evolve and cause radical revolution to take place. Be committed to something different, not something stupid, in other words. See, Moses brings his audience to that final appeal here. Get used to different. There's a whole new experience awaiting those who are ready to get used to different to what God calls them to do. And God knows it's hard to get used to different. And that's why he's the one in the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 30 who circumcises our heart and mind. Look at verse 6 there. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses in your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his demands that I am giving you today. He's drawing a picture that there's going to be sometime in the future where you're going to take, be taken from your land. But because I'm going to circumcise your heart, that's only a job that God can do, right? I wouldn't want anyone to try it on me it's, a, it's about our inner being our well-being as, as well he said there's coming a day that you're going to be in that land of exile but don't worry i have your back i will take care of you i will bring you back see circumcision involves some cutting down our sides you can figure that out for yourself and discipline of ethical choices God will do his part in giving us the eyes to see, giving us the hearts to respond, giving us the ears to hear the voice of God as we heard in that video clip the beginning of the service. But we must also participate in the cutting down to size and making the right choice and not the stupid choice of what lies ahead. For it's the circumcision of the heart that enables obedience. You can see that the Apostle Paul got a lot of his stuff from this passage and from the entire book of Deuteronomy. What we learn in the story of Israel and God is that God is a reasonable God. Hello? God is a reasonable God. For the whole journey since the beginning of creation, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, he didn't just slay them, he gave them another chance. When Cain killed his brother Abel, he didn't just slay Cain, he gave him another chance and even protected him. He's, He's a reasonable God. Hello? I don't know what God some people are preaching but it doesn't sound reasonable to me, but the God I read in the text, He's a reasonable God. Mm-hmm. And He calls the people to live a life of reasonable responsibility. That's right. There's nothing out of our reach that even says so in the text. There's nothing beyond what you could do that He has commissioned you to do as a child of God. That's right. It's a reasonable responsibility that He calls us to. I never read in the Bible that He's called me To jump off the CN Tower and see if I would survive. That's Satan's way of getting our attention. Not God's. God calls us to a reasonable life of responsibility with him. You know, if God waited for us to perform before he acts, we will be waiting forever. Don't you like when God just decides to break in despite the way we are acting? Despite the way we are conducting our lives as followers of Jesus Christ? His son, And you know that it wasn't until Israel came back from the exile that they began to live the life that Deuteronomy speaks about, that God told them to live. It was in that period before Jesus came that the Jews started worshipping on the Sabbath. They started worshipping the only true God. Before that, they mixed their worship with all the gods that are around, the Baals and the Mardics and the Asherah Poles. And all that type of stuff. But when they came back from the exile, something happened to them that they began to implement what the Torah was teaching them. So you would think that when Jesus stepped on the scene as the Messiah, that God was already preparing his entrance, but they were blind to it. They were blind to it. And they failed to see that. Let us not be blind, my friends. Let us not be blind God waited a long time for the response after the response to kick in, <laughs> to kick in. But remember, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, and a day is like a thousand years. God has patience to wait for the response, but He is calling for the response nonetheless. Yes. As one commentator knows, 99% of the time, our problem is not whether we know enough to go and do what we should do, but whether we are prepared to do it. Mm. Are you ready to do and to 021, what God has called you to do. That's right. Stop making excuses. Know the right thing to do. Do the right thing. Amen. For God is the reasonable God, and His responsibility list is a reasonable one, not like my wife's giving me, right? Ah, uh, you've got no list. <laughs> you got no money <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Just want to see if you're awake or not. I'm awake. You don't even need a PhD to understand Moses. Hello? That's right. Even a toddler can understand him. There are two roads. One leads to life, one leads to death. What are you going to choose? There's a narrow road that leads to life and a wide road that leads to destruction and death. Which one are you going to choose? There's a road that leads to cursing and there's a road that leads to blessing. Which one are you going to choose? Don't be stupid. That's right. The risk is a responsible and reasonable one. Hello? Amen. God be him sure that he is with us. In verses 11 to 14, follow with me. Pastor Betty read it already. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so that you have to say who will ascend into the heaven to get and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so that you may obey it. That you may obey it. Cheer! Didn't Apostle Paul use these words in the book of Romans? If you believe with your mouth and your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. You got it from here. Yes, It was the fulfillment of the promises that Moses told the people of Israel that was realized in God becoming one of us, incarnate and holy and Lord and King. Remember that... Uh, people of Israel have already been set free from the powers of error. The Red Sea has already been split. They have already been redeemed. They have already been restored. They haven't become a nation of Israel yet. They haven't received the covenant yet, but they already have been redeemed. This message is coming to people that already have their membership in the church. In our terms, not in their terms. They become a covenant nation in Israel. They become God's people. And their freedom on the other side of the Red Sea, see, they, the future of life was in the promised land and it's fully in view, And we all know the story. Moses can't go because he disobeyed God. He did a stupid thing. He did a stupid thing. And he begins to preach a long, 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 farewell sermon. And it's full of wisdom literature that you find in Ecclesiastic and in Proverbs. And in the Psalms and in Job, wisdom teaching that, that shapes a future that God has ordained. Wisdom teaching that shapes a life of well-being, despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Does anybody want that type of life? Is that the life you want to choose? And you might ask yourself at this time, why is a prophetic farewell speech from Moses? Because he's not allowed to enter that life. That land. Haven't they heard it all before? Yes. Yeah, sometimes you've heard it all before. But you know you know what to do, but you're doing the stupid thing. And that's why we have to keep on saying what we say so you might do the right thing when you're faced with that situation in life. So Moses knows what's on the other side of the Jordan River. He knows there's a land that's going to frighten some of them. He knows there's a people there that speak a different language. He knows there's a people there that worship different gods. He knows there's people there that would rather kill you than make friends with you. He knows that's all awaiting them when they are to cross that Jordan River. Life is not going to be a piece of cake there. That's right. It's going to be difficult. And they did to know what's the difference between the blessing and the curse. They did to know what's the difference between life and death and obedience and disobedience and so on and so on. And he goes into great details in the book of Deuteronomy to make this clear. They need to continue to trust in worshiping Yahweh, the only true God, not the God amongst all other gods, but the only true God. But the question that really bothers Moses is that when they become successful in the land beyond the Jordan River, are they going to remember their need of God? Hello? Just study history. Just study church history. When people got self-sufficient, when people got a fluid, when I got to begin to drift back and back, they have no need of God no more unless it's a crisis situation. It's a moment of grief or a moment of death or a moment I don't know how to deal with my son that has an addiction. Then they move back into Christ because we get so, so comfortable in our self-sufficiency. And like Israel, we say we have no need of him until the time comes that I need to call upon him. Some of you say, well, what's he talking about? We're talking about exactly that. We do stupid things, stupid things, and we draw away from God instead of drawing near to God. Instead of drawing near to God. Moses' speech here is about 25,000 words <coughs> And it'll take four hours to preach nonstop. Aren't you glad? I'm not going to preach his sermon today. Or try to interpret his sermon, because that would take maybe 100,000 words of water. See, when you preach your last sermon in a circumstances like Moses, what do you say to people? Mm. You say, Remember Yahweh. Remember his grace. Remember his faithfulness. Remember how he led us from the clutches of the Pharaoh and he put us in this promised land. Yes, we spent 40 years in the wilderness. But it was worth it all. He finally taught some sense into us that we can remember to obey him and trust him and take the path of blessings of God without any shortcuts. Hello? Settle for total commitment and not mere contribution. Because mere contribution to the cause of Christ is not going to get you to the promised land. That's right. Hello? Mere contribution to the cause of Christ is not going to get you to the promised land. It's not like I'm going to make my schedule. This is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm not going to do. No, total commitment is whatever needs to be done. I'm there. Amen. Hello, hello. You know that former generation that died in the wilderness, and then get to make it to the brink of the shore of the Jordan River because of disobedience and the way they they they're delivered by God. They make a golden calf and an idol, and then they still disobey Him. They still disobey him. The only ones that made, of course, was Joshua and Caleb. That's right. See, they missed out on seeing the promises of God fulfilled. Hello, I don't want to miss out on that. Amen. I don't want to miss. You want to miss out on that? I don't want to miss out on the promise of God being fulfilled. God's responsibility list is a reasonable one again. God has faith in Israel. It's reasonable because God has faith in you to do what he's called you to do. So stop saying I can't do it. Trust God and He will equip you accordingly. And God wants us to move from spiritual toddlership, if there's such a word, into adulthood. That's right. First Peter talks a lot about this. You know, to go move from, from the breast and baby's milk to eat a good steak in the Lord once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> right? See, God has done his part, he set us free. He's provided everything we need. And in Christ, He set us free through Christ. He's provided everything we needed. But the rest, He's given you a reasonable responsibility list to fulfill. That's our role. God created creation, but then God told the people of Israel to build a tabernacle, which was a microcosmic uh, diagram of the scene of creation. He says, I've done my part. Now I empower you with a reasonable responsibility list to do your part. Are you on board? Are you on board? I can still hear the words of my grandparents, my mom, my dad, my uncles, and my aunts and cousins. And their stories of the La Balitalia flowing with wine and wheat and olives and pasta and sheep. Aren't you getting hungry? And of course, Parmesan cheese. And even now, Seattle. And I remember always my uncle that lived in Montreal, then moved to Ontario, and when he told me that, you know, if one day they decide to say all the Italians are kicked out of Canada, it came close in the Second World War. So it came close at that time. If it comes to that day, and all I got is my suitcase, praise the Lord. He said, thank God I lived a good life here. The Lord gives it, gives, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name. And I never forgot that. I was just a kid when he told me that. And it was a reality because there was a lot of people picking on Italians at all that time until the movie Godfather came out that then everybody backed off a bit. <laughs> anyway. Like Moses, we are called to remember. Because it's not too difficult, Moses says. And it's not beyond your reach. That's right. It's, it can be fast. What did Paul say? I take a hold, hold up, of hand. the one who's grabbed the hold of me. It's within your reach. When we say Jesus as close as a mention of his name, he's not out there somewhere. That's he's right. here. Amen. When St. Francis came up with this nativity scene creation and art, he didn't do it to be sold in supermarkets and Walmarts and all other grocery stores of the like, and to be, you know, on display in churches with, with a thousand different displays. He did it to use as a communication tool that Amen. God is near. Amen. This is how close God is lives with us, breathes with us, eats with us, sleeps with us, just like that song, Voice of God, tried to communicate. That song resonates with my heart. God is near. Amen? Amen. See, this is a word to people already in the covenantal relationship with God. The nature of the relationship will be shaped by their response to Moses' farewell. He believes in them, and he believes in us, and he trusts us to me, that's encouraging as this decade finishes, and we enter a new one as this year finishes, and we begin a new one that God believes that we can do his work on earth as it is in heaven. So what's it going to be? And he comes to those closing lines of chapter 30. Choose life. Simple. Choose life. So difficult to do though. Choose life. See, especially for any postmodern, relative, relativism people, you know, the people that believe that truth is subjective, what I believe is my truth, what you believe is your truth, there's no objective truth out there, there's only what I believe and not what you believe, well the scriptures don't approach life in that way. Because Moses' sermon sounds like it's either this or that, it's either if this happens then this is going to happen, and many people in our day don't tolerate a message like that, many politicians don't tolerate a message like that. So that's why it's a difficult message for people to understand that the approach to abundant life comes through a choice, your choice. God's made this choice for you. He's given you a responsible, a reasonable responsible list, and He's empowered you with the Holy Spirit, and He's empowered you through grace and mercy, and the truth that's found in it is somehow He wants you to make a choice. See, I don't think that the, the, the cliche that we say that God is in control is always right. God rules. That never changes. That's right. But you have freedom to choose. To do your own, to make your own choice in life. God would not override your free choice. That's right. Hello? That's right. Hello? So it's not so much that God's controlling everything. Because then the other opposite side, the atheists have a good point. God has controlled and created you in his image. He is a free being and he made us as free human beings to participate. In his liberation and freedom. Hello? That's right. These words have been taken out of context by the church. You know what I'm talking about. The abortion issue, right? Is there anything about aborting babies in this passage at all? No. Doesn't mean we can't use it for it. But follow me. See, we have on one side of the church pro life. The tablets are held up high at the hospitals against abortion, and abortion is. Is wrong. I firmly believe that. On the other side, you have pro-choice. I can do what I want. It's my body. And that also is true. They can do what they want. It's their body. It's not your body. You follow me? So one side of the church is pro-life, and one side of the church is pro-choice. Who's right? Who's right? My wife's getting nervous there. See, the choice for life or death is yours. And we've been going around in circles for a long time. The one who makes the right choice for life is the right choice. Anything that makes a choice for death is where curses, that's right. and disobedience, and consequence. That's their choice. And that's what will follow them. We pray for them. We care for them and all that type of stuff. But pro-life and pro-choice is really both scriptural. They're not at odds with each other. Because if I didn't have a pro-choice to make a pro-life choice to be in Jesus, I wouldn't be here, hello? And if I made the choice to reject Jesus, I would be on the road leading to death, death, the one most traveled. Before we bury ourselves in the current discussions on the abortion issue, I just want you to take a moment. Remember the context of the narrative, and before you label anyone, stop and think of what you are to say to them. Number one, is it life-giving? Number two, is it life-upholding? Number three, is it life-empowering? If none of those are mentioned in your discussion on these issues, then you're proclaiming death and not life. We are to encourage life in our world and in our church and in our society. Remember, Moses knows these people very well. He's seen them at their best and he's seen them at their worst And all he wants for the people of God is that they become agents of life in a culture of death and decay. Agents of life in a culture of death and decay. It's it's really, this COVID thing has really opened my mind, I don't know about your mind, then you you have the abortion issue on this side, and then then you have euthanasia on this side, That you can take your life if you don't like this life that you're living now. And then you have all these seniors dying because of COVID in, in senior homes in, in the world. We've been, thankfully, blessed by God and protected by God so far on this issue. But you have all this life, the most vulnerable people, the young people that aren't even born yet, and the seniors that, that need our care and and, and love and, and tender compassion. And we want to push these two vulnerable sections out of our lifestyle because we'd rather have a, our own self-sufficient life and. Not blessed life without responsibility to both of those ends of life. Become very selfish, aren't we? Push the seniors this way, push the unborn this way. For what? Excuses people say, so I can balance my budget at home. So I can take care of my bills. Sad, sad, sad. The choice for death, my friends, is more than the stopping of a heart. The choice for death it's a negation of shalom and peace. It's a change in a disposition of living for God and loving God and worshiping God as the only God. A decision for death is entering the world that I can worship whatever God I want. I can worship multiple gods if I like because I'm going to be inclusive because it's the trendy thing to do to follow many gods and keep my options open just in case. See, the choices before us are not for God's benefit, they are for yours. These choices that Moses has given to the people of Israel as a work from God is for your benefit, not for his. We know what his desire is that you will have life and what the sunset said, and that you will have his life, life abundantly. To the fullest. Amen. That's a no brainer. Right? Proverbs Keep my commandments and live. Not die. Keep my commandments and die. The wrong choice will reduce our social relations to evil, power, force, greed, brutality, war, fighting, bickering, all roads that lead to death. Hello? That's right. That happen in families, they happen in society, they happen in churches. Greed, manipulation, control, no respect of the other. And those are roads that lead to death. And God is saying, People, are you making the right choice, or the stupid choice. What choice have you made? To, bear, to perish, perishes to get caught up in all that fear and hate. Because all that does is diminish human possibility. Hello? Huh? When you get caught up in greed and manipulation and fear, it diminishes the possibility that God has put in you to do good, and to love mercy, and so on. See, the list is not about legalism. I hear legalism thrown out all over the place. I haven't seen a legalistic church since I got saved in 1984. There have been some people that might have been legalistic, but not the whole church legalistic. Because if it were, we packed whenever the doors were open. If it was really legalistic, hello? Because sometimes it's just a cop-up for us not getting involved. Hello? I can say this now. So we're at a crossroads, another year end and a new year beginning and God is speaking but are we listening? We stand on this eve of whatever is to come. I don't know what's to come. I don't have a crystal ball. All I know is that whatever is to come, God has given me some directions that if I choose life and not death and choose blessings and not curses, that he promised that he is near. He's as close as the mention of his name again. And like Israel trekking for 40 years in the wilderness and they're tired. We're all tired now, aren't you? Of yeah. lockdowns and shutdowns and COVID nineteen restrictions and protocols and revamp protocols and change of protocols and lockdown and shutdown again and unstable politics and markets and economies that go up and down. We're tired. We're being run like a yo-yo, we're up and down and up and down and up and down. And, and, and God say, Would you want a steadfast life that I have for you or not? Steadfast stability. Joshua, the one that finally got the mantle from Moses, he's the one who got to bring them across the Jordan. And as he went across the Jordan, they were enjoying success. As you come near the end of the book of Joshua, the people begin to do stupid things again. Mm. And Moses has a call. I mean, Joshua has to call an assembly, and he calls the assembly and he says those words that are in everybody's house somewhere, someplace. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. He's still making the right cho- choice. He learned well from his mentor, Moses, and his former leader. But did you notice that Joshua had to continue to make choices on both sides of the river? Not only on the choice to get across the Jordan, but once you get into the land of Jordan and into the promised land, you still need to be choices. That's what the It's not only about getting in and then coasting till Jesus comes, but it's about getting in and staying in Which is where the reasonable responsibility list of the Lord kicks in. And he's given you the power to do what needs to be done. So that others may see the light of Jesus Christ. Then you remember King Josiah. He's just a kid and somebody finally found the book of Deuteronomy. And they began to read it. And Josiah begins to tear his clothes in grief. And he realized that all those years that preceded him that the people of Israel chose the road to death and not the road to life, hello? See, if we continue to divide our loyalties, we will die, hello? If we continue to divide our loyalties, you know, I have God, and I have whatever minor God is over there for enjoyment, we will die. Choose life means choose the Lord of life, and there's only one, because when you choose life, the Lord is life. That's who you're choosing. Hello? He became one of us. And his name is Jesus. And we just celebrated his arrival in this world that we call Earth. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and and the life. And I said it before if he is the way, we are lost. If he is the truth, we are a liar. And if he's the life, we're dead without him. We're dead with him. God is whispering in all our ears on this evil whatever's coming, choose life. I've done my part. And the choice is bursting with promised life, not death. God will always keep his word, Will we keep ours. Amen. So Moses is calling the people to a fully committed life. As someone said, the covenant of life must be chosen rather than coerced. Don't manipulate people into saying the Jesus prayer. And think that they're really safe because you pushed them and you manipulated them into saying it. God gives you the power to choose love. Uh, and he also gives you the power to reject his love. It's a revelatory experience. Uh, Christ is revealed to us, and we fall uh, on our knees and we cry holy. What should our response be, be built to the O oh, Holy Nighthead? Fall to your knees. Fall to your knees. You stand before an awesome God, a holy God, a wonderful God. Someone said, when you're faced with two choices, simply toss a coin, you know, toss a coin up in the air. It works not because it settles the question you, because at that brief moment when the coin is in the air, you suddenly know what you're hoping for, right? You know, heads or tails. Life and blessings with God, heads, you know. Death and curses, tails, throw it up in the air. And you can't say, I have both can't say I want hands and tails. But that's where people live, right? Some people, they want both choices. But you can't have it. It's not an acceptable answer. So even before the coin goes up, the person writes, do you know what you're hoping for? Sure we do. We hope for a good life. Any sensible person will hope for a good life. We're presented with the options and choices. Clear. I'll take life with blessings rather than curses. I'll take life that is life and not death. And it's not about a 50-50 chance, I'm not talking about gambling here. I'm talking about depending on the grace of God 100% of the time. Because he's a reasonable God. And he's given us a responsibility list that is reasonable to do. In other words, it is doable because God is pro-life and God is pro-choice. You know, it only took a generation after the crossing of the Jordan for the people of God to make wrong choices upon themselves curses instead of blessings just free judges and everybody did what they pleased right. what they wanted in their own eyes well this judge you know they're, they're in charge of the people the people that didn't give a rip i don't care i'm going to do what i want to do and that attitude is in the world today it's in the church today at large only a generation they forget what god has done for them only took a generation after david's dynasty make wrong choices which led to their exile and death on foreign soil you know your response shaped your future what's it going to be what God requires of us to do justice to love mercy and walk humbly with our God is not only reasonable it's doable hello, That's right. hello? you know that God doesn't wish anyone to die In Ezekiel chapter 18 takes no pleasure and death. That's why God is a God of second chances. God is a God who comes to us. Repent and live. He doesn't say repent and die. He says repent and live. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Amen. As we close out this year, aren't you glad that he's a God that is near us and not beyond us, that whatever he gives us to do, we can do it? Amen. You know, like that guy screaming in the movie Waterboy, you can do it! <laughs> do you believe that you can do it or not? We can't say that I receive the Holy Spirit and then act as if we can't do anything. You are free to choose. But remember this, you're not free from the consequences of your choices. That's right. You can tune me out or tune me out, that's your responsibility, and that's what you have to deal with. And I have to deal with how I react to you and who I'm listening to, who's teaching me and who's encouraging me. And i got to listen to that. And I am responsible for the choices I make. There are consequences to those choices. I've said it before when I used to take drugs and then I got hepatitis C. That was my choice and the consequences came to me. And it came to my brother and some of my friends that OD'd and died. The consequences are always there to the choices that we make in life. And that's why it's important to make the right choice, choose life and live for the Lord of life, God himself, instead of choose death and die. Don't make a stupid choice like that Christian big shot, whoever he was. I'm glad they didn't mention his name. We had so much bad press and Christian leadership in North America this year of people that followed, that committed to one thing, big names that if I said their names you would know who they are, that they just misrepresented the kingdom of God and they made stupid choices and it reflects the body of Christ. That's what gets me so. Agitated, I guess. In a good way, not a bad way. Not to pick on them and not to, to put them down because Paul made that clear to us. Watch out if you think that you are on. Uh, okay, uh, n- Never able to fall. Stand. Take your stand and keep looking to the upper taker, Jesus Christ and remember his grace and mercy. There's a little story, and I'll close with this: a chicken and a pig were walking down the road together. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting, huh? <laughs> and they passed a sign for a local dining uh, diner advertising, and they had a breakfast special on Hey, and eggs for $7.95 and all the coffee you could drink. And the chicken said, "That's our whole contribution to society: breakfast food. Is that what we become?" And the pig, don't go there, Mr. Chicken or Mrs. Chicken, whatever sex you are. Yes. See, yes. It says, for you it might be a contrib- contribution, for me it's total commitment. <laughs> it's sad that sometimes the church has built its foundations on contribution rather than total commitment. So as we close this year, choose life. Amen. The pro-choice is yours to make. Don't make a stupid choice. Let's stand as we sing the song of this stand.